0: Hey everybody, it is Jeff and Hoy from the Appendix N Book Club. And you're listening to episode 375 of the Gaming and BS Podcast, recorded on January 17th, 2022. Welcome to Gaming NBS, the Tabletop RPG Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. Glad to have you all here. Thank you very much for
1: putting up with the fact that, uh, Sean, my schedule has been uh, snafooed and buggered up because of uh, real-life stuff. So thank you all for checking in. Sounds (laughs) like you've had some
0: stuff going on, Brett.
1: It's been a little crazy, yeah. um, Dad's been in and out of the hospital for a month. He's uh, still in a physical rehab facility. His adrenal system is basically his entire endocrine system shit out on him. Uh, because he's been uh, doing the 24-7 care for my mom, who has dementia. He used to go into a home. So I got that squared away. Got uh, everybody where they need to be so they're in the right... They get the right type of care. Everything's set. was The only most stressful, horrible things I've ever had to do in a very short period of time. Um, yeah, that sucked. That sucked pretty bad. But... I was telling Sean this before we went live. It's... Um, it's strange how how um my wife <clears throat> susan is amazing right she helped me get through all this stuff she swapped care with my mom when we were sorting things out and she was great even when my mom was like verbally abusive because she couldn't figure out what's going on susan put up with it the whole bit my kids were great my dad did the best he could from where he was in the hospital um sean my my uh, my remote friends like you know sean and and joe and and wayne and guys were being great and my local friends here, my game group and stuff, but the it's not unexpected, right? But I would get the, I'd post something on Twitter, where I get a note um, from a, a listener, a BSer, and they would say something really nice. Who's Carl? Reached out to me, and a few other people have, and uh, it, it was just, I gotta say, guys, is incredibly touching. And at the risk of tearing up, I I can't tell you how much that means. When shit like that happens, I have a slight inkling of how it must have felt for Sean when they had his motorcycle accident and people just said, we care about you. Um, I haven't met a lot of you in person and um, only interacted <clears throat> through the intertubes, right? And it's uh, it was pretty fucking amazing to have folks, all, all the BSers who have s- taken the time to say something to Sean. I miss BS or con. everything because of this. Mm-hmm. And the number of people who stopped and said something to Sean or somebody else, and word got back to me, or said something to me directly, that was awesome. I I, I do not know how to express my thanks for that. I I'm literally at a loss for words, and this is coming from a guy who can't shut the fuck up. So, thank you very much. That was that was amazing. I, I really appreciate it. That was awesome.
0: Yeah, a lot of people thinking of you,
1: and yeah, um, it was just it was great, man. It yeah, really sy- it it really sy- is
0: sympathetic to the <clears throat> to the situation for sure.
1: Yeah. So, and uh, (laughs) one of the funny things that uh, we've talked about, like, why is gaming important, right? In our lives and all this stuff. But one of the things that um, for me, I was like, I had a new game. I want to kick off with my, with my crew. And uh, I was, I told Susan, I "I don't know, probably have to wait till like March or something. She's like, why, why are you waiting? I said, well, you know, a lot of stuff. And she's like, it's a Tuesday game. It's a Tuesday game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, I, I don't know. She goes, do you have what you need? I said, well, yeah. She said, why don't you just have the guys over? If you yeah. kick it off, great, but go do something. This is, this is, you know, you need to try to get back and start doing stuff. You can't hide and just be depressed because it's incredibly depressing. And that was wonderful. That was great. Mm-hmm. Um, her, The joke was, of course, she she said <laughs> my son and I, AJ, she goes, go up to the cabin in the UP. It'll be great. You can go up there and relax. I went up there twice to try to relax and the first time, pipes froze. Second time, furnace died. So <laughs> that that relaxation effort failed, but I fixed shit. Um, but I tell you, gaming was like this, yeah, that's a good, good fucking idea. Let's get the boys together. So we got together and it kicked off my game and it was wonderful. And it was, you know, three, four hours of nothing else matters but this fun right here, right now. It was the, the escapism, the the, um, I don't know, it was just, it was just wonderful. It was this wonderful piece of creativity and um, co-creation with all my friends and It was just wonderful. It was wonderful. And uh, I missed, I missed BSRCon because of that. I'm like, man, I really wish I could have been there to game with those folks, you know? So anyway, hopefully things in my life are starting to mellow back out so I can get back to some level of whatever the new normal is. So I think we'll be all right. Anyway Sean, how the hell are you man? anything what 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 have you been gaming since I've haven't seen you and God knows how long yeah uh,
0: and and to add on to what you were saying is somebody uh, would say, uh, it's no wonder we play these games. yeah, right like yes
1: I, yeah it it is it's a wonderful constant of what's well, a wonderful constant of fun yeah and camaraderie and just fellowship that happens when you've got a good gaming group and good and good friends like BSers, you know, that kind of rally around and cheer for you when you're going through the hard times. That's just that's just awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so I am no longer in Cyberpunk Red.
1: Did you drop out or did they cancel the game?
0: We we're at an impasse. Nobody was. You know, Jimmy was like, "How do you think the game's going? You know, do we want to continue with Cyberpunk, or do we want to try something else?"
1: Yeah, like two thumbs up, two thumbs, two thumbs down type it, of thing.
0: It was a. It was okay, uh, but what the they didn't hear was, "Um, it's awesome. Let's keep playing." So we they decided. You know, so Jimmy fired up a Discord server. We start talking a little bit about it. And they were gonna play Shadowrun, so I'm like, eh, I'm out. I'm gonna. So
1: let me ask you. Let, let me ask you this now. When did you like the game? When I'm talking about the game, the mechanics, the system, the, all that, the, the the setting and whatnot, was that fun? Fun enough that you'd be like, hey, I'd try that again, but perhaps with a different story or a different approach. Did you have enough fun with the system that you're interested in it again, or was it all kind of meh to you?
0: Uh I would probably give it another fair shake. I wasn't turned off by the system necessarily. Okay. Um there's a lot of tables and a lot of not not tables like random roll tables. It's a very table a lot of skills, man. Like if you are not a skill monkey, um there's a lot. Like Okay. A ton, like more than call a Cthulhu skill charts, oh wow, okay, yeah, so, well, and it's broken down into different areas, like social, okay, skills, you know, combat, oh wow, skills, and, yeah, so it it was fun because it wasn't a an r p g or a setting campaign that I would have experienced in another game, I mean, it was. Because it's not horror called Cthulhu, right? You got yep. the the role play piece of it and investigating. So Cyberpunk Red can be, you know, sure there might be some hacking and there's combat, but what's the, where are you going to go with the story? So, I mean, us playing, you know, half the members were band, members of a band, and then we have a sound engineer and a social media person, and then the, the, the manager. <laughs>
1: like. I think so, it's open ended enough that you could <clears throat> you could go back and say, all right, how how do we do, um, you know, Neuromancer, Pick a cyberpunky, right. old school cyberpunky thing and and translate it over or something. But I'll tell you, man, one of the things you said there, I think I have not a mantra, but I'm taking it on is more like I I need to give games more than one shot.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: I've played something before and said, oh, that game, blah, I didn't like it, and people have listened to the show for a long time, probably heard me say that I played that once or whatever. So I can tell you, I played fourth edition. I played fourth edition once Fourth edition D and did not have fun. However, that said, um, the circumstances at the time probably played a lot into why it wasn't as much fun. Huh. Right. I would, if someone said, Hey, I really love fourth edition. Let me play it for, let me run the U of through it." uh, uh, one shot or something like that. Really, let me highlight and do. I mean, I would try it again. You know, I've said I don't like it, but I've been thinking more and more about that. And you saying that again just kind of brought it to my mind. I think um, it needs it needs two, at least two tries. And sometimes it's like two tries, one with game with this game group and one with a different GM or a different game group. And there's there's so many variables within like how a game is presented to you and how you experience it and so forth, though. So, it feels to me like I I need two, at minimum, to really see if I grok it or like it or whatever. So, okay, so you're out of that. Yeah. Did you spin? Did
0: you spin up another Forbidden Lands game? Is that what happened? I, I, I saw did. something. Yeah. So I told the I told the group. Well, here's the thing. So we we posted in Discord, mm-hmm. and there it, it was a kind of a lull. So a couple of us weighed in, like with our thoughts, and and that group, you know, did mention like playing face to face, and I'm like, look. If you guys want to play face to face, that's totally cool, but don't don't hold out for me because I might be indefinite. You know, there's yeah, there's you're, no sign got... on the horizon of me going face to face playing RPGs anytime yeah, soon. Yeah,
1: you've got a situation that that's not a good call. Fair enough.
0: And so if that's it, just call today. No love loss. Yep. Um, and then I said, well, I'm gonna set, I'm gonna, and I got games to run for BSers, so I have some interest in Forbidden Lands. So if you guys are interested in playing with us in forbidden lands and these, you know, for lack of better, I mean, strangers to them, then, you know, you're welcome to do that. So we, so I did that and now that's session zero kicked off. So this Thursday, as I record this, which is not January, like Hoy said, because we had some postponements and went to other every other week. We're recording this February 14th Valentine's day because I had to profess my love for Brett on this day. Yeah, well, it helped. We right. had to. And so, I mean, we can't record. We cannot not record on Valentine's Day. Exactly. Uh, and so uh, now I'm all distracted. You get me all fl- flustered, Brett. Um, but I, I, so I said, if you guys want to play with Forbidden Lands, you're welcome to do that. And they're like, oh, there's a little bit of interest, but yeah, no, I'm going to pass. Not so enough. Okay. Okay. We got, so this week, again, going back to the date schedule thing. Got my standard Forbidden Lands group. And then the week after that will be the four other new players to Forbidden Lands. Uh, A four to six session arc is what I'm probably going to do. The purpose of learning the game and then doing a little bit of play, right? But it's not going to be like this ongoing campaign forever.
1: So I'm thinking – one. um, one of the things I, I want to talk to you about, like offline from here, is like some t-shirt ideas, right? Sure. Because I got, I've got my um, my Streets of Avalon one. I want to make that happen. Yeah. Um, with uh, Vera's crew, and I have um, somebody people thrown out the hey, you know, Brett's mom likes Merp type of thing. I think right. That would be fun. I yeah. think That would be awesome to do. If sure. nothing else. Um Kind of in uh, homage to my mom and all the cool things that she basically is because of her that I came. Yep. And I think we need to have a. OGFL T-shirts that certain people were playing, who are the OG Forbidden Lands crew <laughs> with you, that they get to have, or something along those lines. You know, I think that I think that's gonna
0: <laughs> maybe <laughs> might, maybe
1: might need, to, might need to do something. I like might that. have
0: like a, a four f- like I think the sales will be limited to like maybe maybe two people, but you know whatever.
1: Well, even on the even yeah, even if it says like OG and it like has you know it has our handles on the back or something, sure. so there we could we could have some fun with that. But
0: okay, cool, yeah. very good. So that's that, and then I'm playing in a, a feng, shui, feng, feng shui game on Sundays for probably I think like three sessions is what God, I was going to run. So we just kicked that off. I'm playing Max Stonewall, Maxine Max Stonewall. I thought I always thought you were a dude. Yeah, I get that. Um, uh, PI. Big, big bend on the Yakuza, organized crime, 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 organized crime (laughs) in Macau, casino. Nice. Got a kind of a mission with these other uh, members of the party. Like, pretty interesting dynamics. So it should be. How are you liking that? Well, we, I mean. There isn't much to the game so far, like mechanic wise. I saying you
1: were gonna run a Feng Shui game, yeah, at some point. And right. now that you're playing it, I'm curious. I'll be very if, great if you haven't dug into it. Hardcore mechanics, like that's we can we can table this, but I'd be really interested to see what you think as you get going. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, Kyle's got us doing a few checks here and there, and explaining how this and that is is how it works, but. There isn't, there really isn't a ton of it now. Once combat and stuff, you start getting into the shticks, then, then it'll be fun because the shticks are all these. I mean, they're in, in Feng Shui, it's an archetype you pick. You don't create a character, although I think there's nope. rules you can. And then that archetype has sticks, which are kind of like feats in, in some other games. And then you have a, it's a very small skills, very small amount of skills. That's kind of and you roll and it's a, a plus or minus thing. So you're rolling two different dice, and then you're they're they're adding or subtracting each other out, um, and then you get a, get your result. And so there's a DC target number, and then that's that's kind of it. So, um, I think you add it to your base if I'm not mistaken. So it's it's so so far. I mean, if it sounds this he's got to kind of teed up really well, and I think it's going to go pretty well and fun. Nice. Uh, and I think after I know this, that it'll, if it's the type of game I would want to run for one shots because it, or even like a two or three shot piece because the premise is so just off the wall, right? It's, it's just,
1: it's big, it's big. It's yeah. cinematically big. Yes, yeah. it's
0: like a scene, yeah. and you're gonna do all this crazy stuff, and it happens, and it's like you know, turn Bollywood, and you know, uh, big trouble in Little China, and just go bonkers, awesome. and that's like, awesome. yeah, that's good times, man. Awesome. Yeah,
1: I am really impressed that you are still digging for midlands. And they say that because <laughs> you have some of the the most like ooh shiny, right. Oh, I got a lot.
0: I got a lot of products coming. It's, oh, I know you
1: do. I, I already know you have do, but the fact that, but it's like at this point, it's like your, it's I like your security blanket. Oh, you got. Oh, wow. Okay. This is Index
0: RPG, so this showed up, right? Okay. You know, I got a but a but ton of other stuff that's probably gonna you know fall. once the logistics of the world come together and everything gets un, uh, unstuck. Yeah, well, I'm I mean, have you know, I've got.
1: <laughs> I've got, um, you know, Dave Beatty's. Yeah, you know that game's going to land on me. There's a couple other things here and there, but yeah, it's going to be. Oh, I should have. Oh shit, I should have. I forgot to mention this. I am start. I started a um, a Vason game with my kids. Oh, fantastic! Oh my God, are they loving it? It is going really, really well. Smooth, easy. One of the things that they, um, I'm running the adventure, the um, adventure in the back of the book because I'm like, hey, let's try this. I already found a few things. Speaking of like back, we talked about like uh, rough drafts and stuff. Yeah, holy crap! I um, I pulled a couple of triggers way too soon. I'm like, oh fuck! Oh <laughs> shit! Yeah, wow! Uh whoa, boy, that's uh, I totally stomped on X Y. You know, so I had to not retcon because we already talked. I'm not necessarily retconning per se because it hadn't hit the table yet. But I had to go back through and make some notes for myself. Like, oh yeah, adjust, 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 adjust. Because <laughs> it's a published adventure and I wanted to make sure that I held to the continuity, the verisimilitude. I wanted it to be believable and to stick. But they're totally digging it. They love it. The um the fear, the way that works, how they're figuring things out, the um they like all the different mechanic pieces of it. So it was a lot of fun. A lot a lot of fun. That was another little uh, kind of escape from the everyday stuff that was eating my life. My wife sent me downstairs with my two kids and said, go play a game with your kids. That was great. And uh, we've got more to go on that one. We got about halfway through, I think, one more session. They might be done there. And then we'll see if they want to keep going with it. But they're really loving the fact that it's heavy investigation, the mythology components of it, and they don't know all the critters.
0: Oh, sure.
1: You know, it's not... AJ is <clears throat> much like myself where... Once you get a monster manual, flip, 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 flip. flip. But this is mythology and they act differently. And it's just, it's a different feel. And they're really digging it. They're really, really liking it and having a lot of fun with it. So cool. after this is done, or I get a couple more sessions in on it, I'll, uh, I'll set up a Vase and review, if you will, or a talk through of what I'm liking, what I'm not, and so on. But at this point, it's hit every note I'd hoped it would. It was only one session, to be clear but uh yeah i don't fuck that's a good game working really really well <laughs> it
0: really does some good stuff i tell you it
1: just i it was <laughs> it's well, you know how i am right i like i want to have fast i want the system to work quick i don't want to fuck around i want to go bam 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 and make the i, I don't want to keep looking at mechanics i want the core to work and the core mechanics are just fucking cruising man i'm just it's it's i'm loving it so much fun so i feel stupid that i missed out on the kickstarter for the britain the british isles that they did but i'm like you know what i will get that once it hits the stores i'll get myself a copy it's gonna go in the collection it's gonna have to be there because it's just it's so goddamn good but anyhow i think that's about it for that stuff oh evercon is coming up Uh evercon.org check that out um my daughter uh, lana is running her uh game there She's got a D and D game that she put together. She had a friend of hers over this yesterday. And then she ran it. I helped her, I'm helping her figure out the plot and the pacing and stuff. Now She thought she had it nailed down pretty good after our conversation. She ran it yesterday for AJ, uh, their mutual friend Connor and me as players, and it went way too fast. Hmm. And she um she was talking about, she was a little disappointed. I let her calm down. We talked about it later and I said, so you're running into the same problem I actually have now. And one of those problems is you have some kick ass content and some really cool clues and some really neat things. Cause she's cooked up some great stuff. I said, but you're pushing everybody to the cool stuff. You have to let them get there. You have to let them take their time. You have to learn how to figure this out. So we're going to sit down this weekend and we're going to sit to go through some bullet points, like in this area, ask for this skill check have this npc encounter let it go for this long and then do this and this and this it's a little um how do i say this it's not like i'm not trying to do paint by numbers she's a smart kid i don't i'm not trying to i am definitely not talking down to her what i want to do though is arm her with enough advice and ideas that she can actually take action on that she understands and that she when something starts to happen she can either shortcut the conversation because it's not working well or prolong it because she's got a three hour slot. She's like, well, I don't want it to take like an hour and a half or just a half hour. I'm like, no, you can't. So you don't want to do that, but you also don't want to force it too long, force it too short. So anyway, um, I think depending how we get through that, it might be worth me taking the stuff that I've helped her with Sean and then bring it back here just to say, this is what I did with her. And then I can report back and did it work for her or not. But I thought it might be interesting to share with BSers and say, I don't know if this has legs for anybody else, but this is what I did to help my my kid put shit together. So anyway, more to come on that as it happens. But
0: anything else, man? I don't think so.
1: All right. Let's see how far we go. Let's go. All
0: right. Let's get into.
1: Dude, we're a half hour in. This is going to be a long one.
0: Yeah, it is. Let's get into random encounter.
1: just, Just warning everybody right now.
0: Right. Segment of the show where we feel voicemails, emails, comments from social media. I've got a few this week and some of them are a little older because of our schedule, but you know, what are mm-hmm. you going to do? So yeah, what do you want to do? You what go mean, first. You want me to go first? All right. Yeah. It's, that's classic. That's how we always do it. First one is from, uh, Edwin emails us on episode three seventy four. the rough draft. Uh hey, B and S. I need some thoughts on this episode. Had some thoughts. Had some thoughts on this episode. Thank you. They don't seem important or even useful, but I feel the need to express myself Internet age and all. <laughs> so I dislike the word "choice draft. Sean, I think you, I felt your unease, too. I would choose notes, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. The scenario is an idea for what might happen at the table. The word draft implies that things will get reworked. This is fine if you're testing something for a publication or running multiple times with the idea of improving your notes and consequently the experience at the table. I think that what I really disliked was the way the conversation started where it sounded like Brett was trying to say that what happens at the table is a draft. In my opinion, what happens at the table is opening night the real deal, the scenario might be rough notes, or it might be a draft, depending on whether it's going uh, to get reworked. Um, one of the concepts we often discuss at Frog God Games is the idea of D- GMs fixing it at the table. While many GMs buy adventures with the idea of modifying them or using them as part parts, parts cars, or whatever. We need to be selling a good product, and in my opinion, a good product is one that could be used basically as is. If we miss a common or likely response, that is an error, and we definitely make them. There are also reactions that should not necessarily be need to be predicted. If I design a bridge, there are certain uses and misuses I need to re- to consider and others that I don't. However, most GMs prepping scenarios are not professional RPG producers and should allow themselves much more slack in terms of how good a job they did during prep and foretelling, uh, forestalling issues. And more importantly, they are their own customer. If the GM is happy with the quality of the prep they produce, that's all that matters. The GM can choose a detailed, thought-out prep with the idea that they like to stick to their prep, or they could choose three words on an index card and wing it. And if a publisher is clear about what they're selling, they could try to sell three words on an index card. Hmm. <laughs> one thought for Alana, uh, who started this whole topic, if she really wants to be a writer of stories, story, she might think of the game at the table as a draft, one possible instance between her initial concept, the scenario, and a story she might uh, one day actually want to write. Shout out to my excellent GMs and fellow players at Khan I had a f- hoot forgetting about it and exploring the world of Coyote and Crow. Uh, cheers, Edwin.
1: That is good thoughts, Edwin. I really appreciate that. I think, and sometimes there's, you know, words have power. We've talked about that many times. And some things have a connotation, negative or or a good connotation, positive or negative, obviously. And I think the word notes might be better here because you're right. If we think. I think if we did, if I use the term like it's they're your notes, right? And I like the fact I was getting a little nervous, quite frankly, Edwin, as as uh, Sean was reading. I'm like, uh-oh, he's going into the whole, this is what published adventures, blah, 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 blah. But then I'm like, aha, he says very specifically, GMs are not professional RPG producers should allow themselves much more slack. I think what you're saying there is what I was trying to say probably less articulately. Um, cause it was a concept in my head and I appreciate this right up here, man, because this is very, very helpful. I think if that, if the term draft rubs someone the wrong way, like, Ooh, I don't like that. It doesn't seem to capture the essence of it. I think notes is totally legit, man. I think that's a good way to see it and to realize that, yeah, you can, um, what is at the table is, you know, opening night for a play, right? Whether it's a, a well-written play, lots of notes, lots of, um, spike marks on the floor or all that good stuff or is it more of um, three notes on an index card and, you know, three bullet points and then you wing it from there. Okay, cool. I like that. I like that idea of then having it as notes. It's still something you can update, change, modify, whatever the case it is. I like that. I think that's a good, that's a damn good thought there, dude. I like that very much. Thank you. Appreciate the time you put into that.
0: Yeah. Thanks Edwin.
1: All right, what do we got next? E. Armstrong comments on pre-show and handling multiple expectations at the table. On the debate before the show, I see both sides of the argument. Unfortunately, I have met more people who are willing to ignore most effects or things your character feels in D&D unless I, as the DM, hit them with 100 damage in one swing. <laughs> the difference between an effect doing the frightened condition and you take 100 damage is a very stark difference in how players mostly react. The frightened condition is usually gives, oh no, I'm frightened. Anyway, descriptions and wrapping it in the fiction is what's happening helps, but it doesn't hit the urgency of the situation. The you take 100 damage causes the clutching of pearls and a stunned silence around the table, and it's not considering damage resistance, rage, spells, and uh, that divide damage between players, etc., but the effect is immediate. Of course, this is different table to table. I still lean towards Sean's side of dread is built to make a physical act connect to the player's feeling in. In the fiction, the players—excuse um, me—the player knows if they knock over the tower, their character dies immediately. But it's also nice to do 100 damage in a single swing. <laughs> I think there is there's something to be said for that, depending on the game you're playing. And that's why sometimes the uh, the methods, the policies, the, the the different tools or things that Sean and I are talking about—it's hard to say one thing works for all game systems, right? It, because it's really hard to do that. Because in, in a D&D game, if your players are very if they're hit point focused, right? Like, hey, I didn't take any damage. I have a condition. Big fucking deal. In another game, though, conditions mean everything. I mean, in Basin, for instance, conditions are bad. That's not good. You're losing stuff, right? Even in World of Darkness, you, you take enough damage, you start losing dice off at pools. It has a very mechanical impact when you have a condition or a thing hit you like that. But yeah, in D&D, 100 points of damage, especially depending on the type of game you're running, the people you're playing with and so forth, can have a much more holy shit moment than a, oh, I'm scared? Big deal. Yeah, all right, so I act frightened for a while. Yeah, it doesn't always, depending on the players and what you're doing, That doesn't always grab people. But uh, you smack someone for a shit ton of damage in D&D, yeah, that, uh, that, uh, you pay attention to that. Everybody does. Good point.
0: Yeah, thanks, E.
1: Appreciate it. Back to it. you, sir.
0: All right. Stefan Dragonspawn emails us on Rival Adventuring Party. Hello and happy 2022, my sexy BSers. This time I chose to write in and avoid getting cut off by the voicemail, (laughs) nor just ramble on. When you boys were talking about whether or not you consciously avoided inserting rival adventurer groups in your games, it reminded me of one shot that I ran using Savage Worlds. I called it the Great Space Trucker Scavenger Hunt, where the PCs were the crew of a light freighter hired to retrieve three things in order to win a lucrative contract and be part of a big party to celebrate. And with such a hunt, you need adversaries competition of some kind. So I did create two rival groups who were part of the hunt. It was very tongue-in-cheek, great fun, and not uh, one Not one bit serious. One rival group was loosely inspired by the royal flush villains from DC Comics, Ace, King, Queen, Jack, and Ten. The other had a captain that was a big burly man who liked to dress up as a Shirley Temple named Sweet Gary. His crew were very much like Clone Wars battle droids, and his ship was called the Good Ship Lollipop and was painted bright pink. I want to play this game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that just
1: sounds,
0: that just sounds, knowing that it's
1: like off off the off the hook craziness like that oh my god anyway keep going keep going sean
0: things went really weird wait, after wait, that I weirder
1: <laughs> i got weirder than that all right keep going all right right there yeah
0: damn uh since my players took the the gens and gave them all a twist to them as well being a sci-fi story I wasn't too worried about magic items, but the PCs did defeat Gary and commandeered his ship, thus making it easier to defeat the second group. Also, creating NPCs in Savage Worlds is easy peasy. Since this was a one-shot, I wasn't worried that the PCs would become too powerful or too rich either. But the concerns I've had on the rare times where I ran 3.5 edition and introduced the rival group was pretty much what Brett described. Write up all the stats, the gear, the spells, magic goodies, and of course some tactics for them. It was a daunting task. Also, someone, As someone once said... I forget who. Players can focus on their single character and hone their abilities and strengths to a razor's edge of efficiency and learn to work as a team to rival naval Navy SEALs. Whereas the DMGM must know all the PC's abilities, those of the monsters and NPCs as well as backstory, the environment, and 101 other details. A tall order for one person to create a challenge for three plus players sitting across the table who only need to worry about what, uh, what their character will do and maybe work with his allies. I often think that any RPG that suggests that PCs encounter NPCs groups should have some pre-generated stat blocks of various levels or XP numbers, if the system isn't level-based, ready for the GM to use and tweak as needed. So when Sean mentioned using the PCs as templates for rivals, I've used that trick once or twice, too. But I've always feared that the heroes would look at those rivals as walking treasure ripe for the pickings. so I've shied away from them. Monsters of one type or another seem e- easier, much easier to run by comparison. as usual, keep up the good work and continue to be the positive force in the hobby. love you guys uh, have a have a gay day regards from Stefan Dragonspawn. That's
1: awesome <laughs> so. <laughs> I was after we had this episode, and I mentioned that I had not used an NPC part, I couldn't remember when. Yeah. Two things hit me while I was thinking about, uh, "Hey, shit, I'm going to record tonight." You know. First one is that, um, well, the cool things about Pathfinder and other game systems that were very crunchy. You know, when I was running Pathfinder or D and D three, stats and feats, it felt very complicated. I got my hands on the Pathfinder NPC book, right? Got a PDF copy of it. Right there, I went, aha, if I want a rival adventuring party, I could go through and pick them. They're all pre-gen. That was wonderful, wonderful tool. So that took a lot of the legwork out of it for me if I wanted it. And I did use them periodically, but as singular bad guys. Thinking now, I could have gone back and built an adventuring party with that really no work involved. The other thing I did do, and I I, it finally dawned on me again earlier today, was that I did have a rival adventuring party once. And here's how I did it. I was running my um, an Avalon game, our original Avalon game. And it was, the guys had gone way the hell out into the Outlands, way far and gone. And um, Lenny and Beta's two characters, Newton Beecher, were out doing something. <clears throat> we're in this adventure. I'm like, okay, I need a rival adventuring group, Some. Badass NPC motherfuckers to really tasked them. So I went to Alpha and Zave and said, I need you guys to make these characters. You're going to build this adventuring party for me, and you're going to run them. They said, okay. So I gave it to some other players to play against the players who were in the official campaign. And then what happened, then we had, um, so it was, it was well, anyway, larger organized effort around who would play what, when, and how. But when the at the start of all things, when they encountered the bad guys, the other NPC, the NPC adventuring party, my players, two of my players had already sat down, made up the NPCs, and they played them. So Alpha had this character, this character, this character. They each had three, if I'm remembering correctly, that they broke up and used, and they understood their tactics because they built the characters, and they could play the tactics. And I just, I gave them, their question to me was, what's our goal? And I said, well, your goal is to stop them like this person's goal is at any cost. This person is take a prisoner. This person is I gave them some high level stuff to do, and then they played those characters directly towards that. I just adjudicated who is where or whatever and moved characters and made sure the rules were followed and, and so on. I was more like a, a referee really at that point because <laughs> it was too care. And, and then would that work for everybody? Don't know. But um, I was pretty proud because I was really I was a little concerned. I'm like, ooh, this could lead to some like friendship angry, right? Because because what happened was Beecher died. He got shot and was killed, and it turned into this uh, effectively a wonderful, very emotional event that lent itself to being a one of a kind of painting that's on my game room wall. Like I've showed that to some BSers in the, fa- in the past, the death of Beecher. But it was everybody was really. Grown-up, adult, and went, wow, this is like a cool story moment that this thing happened and so on and so forth. Then revenge occurred and all that good stuff. But anyway, short version, I outsourced it. (laughs) Like I did my Star Wars Wars PC, Sean. I just outsourced that shit. (laughs) Somebody else make me that. But it worked really well because it was a complicated thing. I'm like, I got two guys in my crew who aren't in this current game. That love making PCs and like playing them. They have a good time. I'm like, hey, here's your here's your specs. Get to work. And did all they did all the legwork like, for me. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, creates crew. Nothing wrong with that.
1: Exactly. And Stefan, that is some damn fine sounding gaming right there, man. The great space trucker scavenger hunt. Fuck I'd play that.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it's like uh I mean, there's Rocky horror, but I don't think it's I don't think it's a yeah. match for that game. Like No, no. Not even no way.
1: No way. That's awesome. <laughs> I love Stephanie; He's awesome. Yeah. All right, beer leaguers up next. He comments on episode three sixty three. How do we organize the GMs? Going back a little bit here. Great topic. Asking a question: How does one organize pre-constructive narrative while having the flexibility to pivot away from a linear line of thinking? My answer has typically been to creative cre- uh, to be creative uh, to create. Oh, good God! Starting over. My answer has typically been to create a highly visual large mind map. That combines a standard graph paper, um, graph paper map, rooms, traps, tunnels, and so forth, hey Siri, with setting details for the GM's eyes only. Right there inside the spaces they describe, those details can then be woven into any inquiry the players have. Then, with as much room as I have left, the passage um, passage that uh, that's read aloud to the players is squeezed in underneath. Other details, random tables, monster staff, locks, etc. Either nestle alongside these spaces, in the margins, or live in separate page that matches the numbers of the room. But this mind map is very limited, principally by space, but also its rigidity. It doesn't lend itself to improvisation. My mind is literally and figuratively boxed in to a grid. It makes for beautiful illustrated and tight layout that I enjoy designing, with the ambition to parlay that visual into a published piece down the road. But in the end, it limits my creativity more than I'd like. So I'm seeking a more interactive tool the next time I GM. I'm intrigued by Notion, which Sean has mentioned, since it brings a visual visual approach to project planning as many bells and whistles to both um, stay visually organized, but also access information quickly. It's likely what I'll explore the next time I run a game, since my laptop is always present at the table anyway and connected to Wi-Fi. Aside from a tool like Notion, Google is the second most important resource for quickly looking up rules or sharing a visual of a baddie, MOOC, or setting. Yours from the city of brotherly love, beer leaker. You know, beer leaguer, I'll tell you, man, the mind map, I think one of the things that you could do with it, I'm, I've am i only dabbled with mind maps, but here's a thought, and you tell me or anybody else tell me if you think this is BS or if it's got any legs to it, you could rework the mind map post a session, as in like your homework. So you've got a mind map, get it. Players do X, Y, and Z. What does that do to your mind map? You know, what's mind map version one, version two, version three after each session or at certain key points when you're like, wow. I'm feeling hemmed in by this document is what you're what I'm hearing you say and what I'm reading this. So, how do you knock the walls down, redo the thing? And there might only be a couple changes. It might be like, well, you know, depending on the mind mapping tool you're using, you could grab a bubble and shift it or draw a different connection and kind of see how it what that blows out into. But anyway, it might be interesting. don't know how much work this would be for you, but once you've got it plotted, after a session or two, go, huh, you know, this crew has done a whole bunch of crazy-ass shit. Boy, I'm feeling like my rigid plan isn't working for me. How would you reorganize it to account for the crazy shit they've done and make it so that it's going to function the way you want it to? Just a thought. I don't know. Like I said, I've only dabbled with mind-mapping tools, but I'm willing to bet that's something you could potentially pull off. Don't know if if that's got legs or not for your leaguer, but let me know what you think. You good with that,
0: Sean? I am good with that.
1: Awesome. I think one of the cool parts about he mentions um, laptop at the table. I know you and I, ages ago, talked about technology at the table. You know, way back in our infancy.
0: Yeah, it was like I think it was with the first ep- first ten episodes, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like forever, <laughs> fucking go.
0: If the handiness
1: of having that technology there and Google. Either a Google Doc or sometimes like AD&D, you know, type four demon picture, right? So you could show people or whatever it is you're looking up. There can there can be some pretty power. There can be some power there. Actually, in the game I'm running right now, using Google Maps has been very very helpful. Just to show people this is the town, this is the place, and this is where stuff is. It's it's a pretty helpful pretty helpful tool sometimes. So anyway, good stuff, beer leaguer. Thank you for writing in. I hope that I don't know if my idea, like I said, makes any sense. Let me know what you think. It might be crab. Who knows?
0: You ready, sir? I am. But I think I forgot to put this, the intro for the main topic on here. That's fine. I'll do it afterwards. You'll do it most. Let's get to the main topic. All right. Blah, 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 da-da, da Annoying horn song. Scratch. What do we do? Record Scratch. We, do it, we could do it ourselves, Brett. We, we, we just did. Yeah, that's pretty good. Take We're, that, I think, print
1: it, copy, done. Moving on. We'll keep it I in. Only in. Do one, I only do one take. Sorry.
0: What are we talking about this week, Brett? So what I want to talk about
1: is the concept of the disbelief, belief, verisimilitude. Um, when we talk about making settings world believable for ourselves and our players, uh, helping keep that verisimilitude alive and keep it working, I'm wondering what, like between you and I, Sean, and then getting input from B.Sers as we go through um, through comments and stuff. What does it take for us to believe? Right? What about the? What, do we know what our players in our game want? Um, are there different things that different players might need? We've talked about that. How do you handle different expectations and stuff? And I know at my table, depending what I'm running, <clears throat> I can tell from certain players they like a certain type of description. Other people are like ooh images. Images are are big for them. If I can flash a map or a tactical something or even a whiteboard drawing that draw that that sucks them in, and so on. There's different levels of things that help um, help people believe in that shared imaginary place and the shared imaginary people that they're running into and stuff. Um, and I, I think there is a um, Anyway, let, before I go too far down the road. So Sean, do you, you get where I'm tracking tracking me here? What I'm talking about? He's staring Kinda. at me directly.
0: Yeah. So Sean, let me let me do this for is. you.
1: So if I'm gonna if you're gonna if I'm gonna play cyberpunk, if I'm gonna play cyberpunk red with you,
0: yeah,
1: or um, Vason, Do you have are there certain things that help you believe in the setting of the world? Like if I said, Hey, we're gonna play. Midlands, make a character character's name is, you know, Jimmy, Billy and Willie. And um, yeah, we do this and we just roll dice. Do you do you need? Do you need players and yourself to act in character? Does that help you? Immer? And maybe this is an immersion question, but what does it take for you to believe that the thing you're doing is real? Right? It's a pretend made up thing. But what makes it more to you than say a board game? Right? Because if you're playing a board game, you're like, okay, I'm moving pieces, moving pawns. It's not real. You know, it's very board gamey. When <clears throat> we're playing RPGs, though, there's this sense that there's a, a shared pretend reality. There are no dragons. There are no dungeons, right? How the hell do I get you, Sean, to buy into the fact that those things exist? Do you need a well-thought-out and detailed world book? Do you need tons of documents for you to read? What helps Sean grab onto that
0: oof um i think a if you use the cat's method of pitching the game Mm -hmm. then i would say it's the tone piece okay maybe there's a a comparatively speaking analog to what you're trying to like um, portray. Is that so, what
1: you is that what you need, or what you think would help other people?
0: Well, I guess that's. Are you asking me as a player?
1: I'm asking Probably you as, 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 a Sean, player, right? as Sean. As Sean. Okay. Yep.
0: You're gonna play Avalon with me.
1: Do you do you care? It does it help you to know that? Oh, this is the guy who wrote the book. Does it help you know that? Oh, there's <clears throat> there's a, there's a there's a whole setting book. Believe it or not, I've met people like this, who are like, oh, this is a homebrew. Yeah, don't buy it. <laughs> oh, it's a published setting. Oh, this is good. Like if it's written down, there's like a level of it ratchets up on the. I'll hang my disbelief on this higher hook than I would regularly, right? Yeah. I, I I don't find honestly I don't find fault in either one. It it's weird to me, but if that's what it if that's what you need, you know. Because so let me kick this to you. So for me, <clears throat> I've thought about this for a, a bit today before the show and stuff, and I was thinking about it previously. And for me, I can. Um, I want to know the the game system, right? And I want to have some concept of the types of characters that will fit the adventure in front of me. I want to understand, like, hey, what are we doing? We're going to play Star Wars. Great. Um, you know me, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, but I'm like, okay, so what are we playing, Nick, Sean? What's, what are we going to do in Star Wars? Well, you're going to be rogues and ruffians. Okay, that that helps. I need a theme. I need um, an overall concept that I can bite into and um, stuff that when I'm making my character, I know this is what we're going to be, what I'm going in for. For Call of Cthulhu, for instance, what's the uh, um, what's the time zone? Yeah, what, what's the what's the time hit or are they, Excuse me, the timeline time zone. That's stupid. What's the uh, timeline? Are we 20s, 30s, 50s, modern times? Is it Delta Green? Give me something about the game that you're going to be running, and then I'll then I'm good. I can get in there. But if you just said, "Hey, we're going to play D and D," okay, um, what are we playing? I'm just picking on D and D. It'll be a dungeon crawl. Okay, does it matter what I make or what I do? No, 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 no. We're just going gonna, gonna to be old school dungeon crawl. Start at the beginning of the dungeon and walk your way through. Some people are totally good with that. I look at that and say, I don't need to role play. This is just an exercise. It, it, it changes my mind. I don't feel the same level of verisimilitude. I don't have the same feeling of believability in it because I. it feels to me like none of that matters. Like it's just an exercise and we're gonna game tonight because it's game night, so let's play this thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh fall too terribly outside those lines at all. I okay. I think the <clears throat> the tone and the comparing and the setting up of the game is it's got to be, in my opinion, it's got to be kind of mandatory, or else you get this weird wackiness where somebody joins the group and they're they're playing Tune the RPG, and everybody yeah. else is like, "I'm playing," you know, the X Files. So <laughs> yeah, why are you throwing hey, pies? What the fuck yeah, are you doing? It yeah. Doesn't, yeah, so there is a even in Star Wars. I'm glad you brought that up because you could say we're going to play Star Wars. People are like Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Got it, Star Wars. But when you think about the three different, uh, the three different books of Star Wars: Force and Destiny, Edge of the Empire, and Age of Rebellion, they're they're three different things, kind of in the Star Wars universe. So it's important yep. when you say, "Hey, you're gonna play Edge of the Empire, you're playing scoundrels, bounty hunters, opportunists, you know, Outer Rim."
1: Thing. No Jedi.
0: You, well, no, right. No, oh, no Jedi. Oh. Yeah. Or you can, but that's the question, right? Somebody's going to yep. want to know, like, well, can I play a Jedi in there? Because Ben Kenobi was a Jedi and he was like out in Tatooine and, and I want to yeah. play that guy. You yeah, know? exactly. Which is fine. So you have to kind of set that that tone piece. So when, you know, Forbidden Lands, if I'm going to run it, I mean, Session Zero last week, these guys got to know. It's about rogues and raiders in a cursed mm-hmm. land. You're not playing heroes. You can you can have a patron if you want, but that's not going to be it's not the thing, right? You're out for yourself, not trying to get treasure to take back to the duke or duchess, man. You're you're making it out on your own. And if that's not cuz that's where you start getting into fantasy, which is really kind of sticky widget because people play fantasy in different ways. Like if you play an Eberron, it's different than Forbidden Lands, but they still but there's still fantasy. So, yeah, oh, yeah, you it,
1: yeah, that's different than Greyhawk is different yeah. than Lankmar is different than whatever. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, yep. urban and not urban. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna play in Streets of Avalon, that's different than Hex crawling across yep. the wilderness. Like it's just so and if you use books, comics, uh movies, TV shows to compare those, I think it gets many people. At least close enough onto the same page that it doesn't get too crazy and out of control. So a
1: good, um, so I'm hearing you say a good kickoff session with proper boundary, what's in, what's out, kind of the, the bumpers, that session zero stuff. I'll tell you one of the things that I found is that I have um, my buddy Lenny. So if, if I sit down and we say, hey, this is what we're going to do. Okay. So my buddy Alpha kicked off a um, Warhammer, the latest edition um, game the other day. Um, one, the other day, like a few weeks back, I can not remember it was sometime early January. Anyhow, point being, we sit down, we play it and we knew it was going to be first session. We had our characters. We had a pretty good idea of what we we're doing, why Give us a ton of background, a lot of backstory. Great. Blah, blah, blah. Kind of the adventure and inciting incident begins. We get through it. Like, okay. And we knew full well that we'd be testing out rules and doing this, that, and the other thing. When we got done, my buddy Lenny got a hold of me and said, "We need a goal." And I, and I'm like, "Aha! This is what Lenny needs
0: mm.
1: to believe in this, because his character doesn't have any real goal. I, my character is a troll slayer, so I have a goal. I'm going to die gloriously in battle. That's easy. That's my goal. It's written right there on his forehead, basically.
0: On his forehead, yeah. really? Well, well that's uh, that's there. like hardcore, man."
1: Troll Slayers are, are tattooed, orange-haired. I don't know if you know anything about the Warhammer world. They're insane. Oh. Uh, their whole thing is to die and gloriously in battle. They've got big, spiky, m- orange mohawks. They're heavily covered in tattoos. They wear no armor and try to die gloriously. I've
0: seen that guy on the cover of, like, third edition or whatever. Yes. Second edition, yeah. that, that one guy, yeah.
1: Yeah, Gottrick, yeah. So, point is, 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 Lenny looked at that and said, we need something. We need a goal. We need some kind of uh, something to do. And I was talking to him about it, and I'm like, huh. I said, I said well, it's like a big city, kind of like Avalon. And he said, well, hang on. He said, in Avalon, though, we always each individually have something to do. And he told me, he said, every time we set it up, your char- you make sure that our characters, what's your plan? What are your goals? What are you trying to do? And that's something that Lenny needs to grab onto the world and really give a shit about the character. And that's kind of what what is be- real, believable, the verisimilitude, and you feel like you're part of something. For Lenny, his character needs a goal, either an individual goal, which and he may pick that up later on. Or in this case, he's saying very directly to me, let's you and I help the group create a group goal that we're after. That'll give us all a focus. And then from there, we can develop and build and so forth. So for him um, and my buddy Nick actually is much the same, is that every time he makes a character, Regardless of what the bumpers are or whatever, he has a goal. His character needs to have something. You know, lost love. Um, I've got an ex-wife. I've got a kid who hates me. I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. He's got something that he's trying to do. Um, I think that is, for me, I don't need that. I'm fine figuring that out after I need the bumpers, as you talked about. Like, hey, you told me what I can do. I'll make my character, and I leave some space in it. <coughs> excuse me to decide. Okay, I'll develop a goal, a reason, a something. Once I see what everybody else is doing, I'll kind of tack in so I can make sure I'm gelling fine. But the other guys in my group, what they really like to do is they like to have a personal goal. That's a long, sometimes very long-reaching. I want to be. I want to own a castle. I want my own goddamn starship. I want to pay off this debt, and they build that stuff in there. Because for them the character isn't real, and isn't going to behave as a real person would, regardless of the fantasy of the fact that there are no dungeons or no, no dragons, no spaceships like that. They want that because that guides them on how they're going to play.
0: What's my moti- What's my motivation? What yeah, is my motivation? Exactly. And and action. Well, t- hold on. Hold on. What? What? What is yeah. my motivation?
1: And I think that. It- <laughs> As uh as hacky as we use that, what's my motivation to be like this arrogant thing? And I remember back in when White Wolf first came out, I was actually used to deride people who were playing the storyteller system. Oh, what's my motivation? I play vampire, I need a motivation. And you know, in A D and D the motivation was I need to get shit, man. I need to get loot and do things so I can survive in this world. You know, there there was motivations. Um, and maybe that's your character's. Maybe that's your character's motivation but for those guys in in my group anyway a lot of people i, I see if i if their character has something that they're after they as a player are more invested does that bother you sean or do you i personally don't that's something i don't need i think i'm actually pretty i'm a cheap date when it comes to that i don't really i don't <laughs> need all that i'll make that up as i go i'm like hey you know take me out that's fine we'll hang out we're gonna play dnd sure what are we doing oh we're in forgotten realms this that you other thing I watch the rest of the group and I find a niche and I go and I just dive in and take it.
0: It I uh I don't need it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh but it helps like I've like you know Cyberpunk Red's a good example. So I'll create this character because he'll be the fixer. So he'll be the wheel and deal yep. and ca- character. And then I'll think of cuz it Cyberpunk Red. I mean, you're you're you know, going through these connections, and you're like, okay, who's the one person that did you wrong?
1: Yep. You know,
0: right? There's these open-ended questions. You put them down, and you're thinking like, okay, I could see this, and I could see that. And Jimmy did a good job of incorporating a couple of those. But I also go to a point where it's like, then the then the situation in the the game starts, and you're put into situations, and then you're like, hmm. I am not sure if this is the character. And it's not even like, oh, I, I probably should have picked more of a fighter than a bard. It's not really that. It's the concept might change. Like maybe I picked, you know, Max, you, Maxine, you picked, Max yeah, Stonewall. You, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I picture her as Jessica Jones. And then she later becomes Jessica Rabbit. Like, for whatever reason like it's just (laughs) that's an extreme mind you but it's it's similar in that capacity where it's like yeah there's elements of this character that i could kind of jam on but because we're doing x and y i would have never picked this character to be in these specific situations
1: so that does that throw you out then and then make you want to either remake the character do something different
0: uh uh, uh, yeah, a little bit. It, it gets it gets weird. Kind of just join it a little bit and it's that's why yeah. I was just gonna say it doesn't throw me off my game too much, but it depends on uh how how long it stays in there. Like and it's it's kind of I'm not explaining. Well, I can tell you right now,
1: it. I got a couple guys in my crew, Nick is one, and uh Lenny'll do it too. Like, I'm walking this character away. Why? They don't fit anymore. They've accomplished their goal, I right. don't feel it. Um, I want something different. You got it. Off you go. And the reason I'm bringing this up in, in a way is that I've got a couple of guys I play with, a few few of the, my, my regular crew, and I've played this. And with other people who don't care about that stuff at all, like they are there to game, i.e. they're going to play their character. They are Phytor from Phytor Land. Their parents were killed by orcs, and they hate orcs. Other people are there because they like playing wizards or they want to be a space wizard or whatever it is. They're there to play just out with their friends and game. And for them, the believability. And this is just a theory I have, I have not yet I have not like pride in any of these individuals. I think the believability is the believability of everyone around them. They're almost like audience members in a way, mm-hmm. like when you're watching a movie, and it's this wonderful movie, and you feel drawn into the story or the thing you're reading or whatever it is. And they have partial connections to it. But they're picking all their energy off of everybody else being incredibly invested, right? And once everyone else was really invested, once Lenny's in and Save is in and Alpha's in and so on, then GR is like, yeah, I, I'm cool. That's good. I'm having fun. Really? Yeah, no, it's great. You know, we're, yeah, you into your character? Totally love my character. But like, you're looking at me like, I can't get you to list a goal. You don't have anything you care about. Why? What everybody else does. Why not you? And I think it's because... JR just doesn't care. It's not really, it doesn't help him get into the world, make it believable or whatever. That's not why he's doing it. If he has a goal or something, it's because well, that'll help me level up. He's very mechanical in that way. Or he'll say, oh, that sounds like a neat thing to have, the sword of ultimate power that rules the world. Yeah, I'd like that. That sounds neat, right? But he's not going to make his character that says, want to find the sword of ultimate power to rule the world because of this, 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 this. He's not going to have that, you know, his goals and reasons are very vague and open and he likes them that way where I am going to look at it and say, Oh, what is everybody doing? I'm going to dive in. I'll be this guy. I'll be this person. I'll build all my goals off of this because it's a niche that needs fitting and that I'm in. But I've seriously found, and even when I've run at at cons and, and with other people that I don't know very well, I've run into people who, as long as everybody else is really invested they're invested it's like Mm -hmm. this it's it's an odd um and again it's a theory I have I don't know if it if it makes sense everybody else has ever seen it but they it's like the I think you and I are kind of in the middle like hey I got a guy like Lenny who's like if he doesn't have a goal he's gonna find one make one Nick needs this they really want to get into it um you my buddy Alpha and I and um other folks, uh, I remember playing with Tom Flanagan from Nights of the Night a number of times and Tom would be like, I have an idea. I'm going to see what I need to do. Very much like you and I were just talking about he'd see what's going on. He's going to fit right in here because this is perfect this is the this I could be the, you know, the the glue that holds this whole group together by, by taking this piece or I could be the foil for the group by doing this other thing. So that's cool. But I've legitimately seen seen some folks who are you know, they're into the game they're into the world it's as real as real gets to them in the moment they're immersed and everything but they don't need a whole heap and hell of a lot and i have found in my experience that if i try to push that person and make them give me five past histories of you give me a reason why you hate this character give me give me you know tell me this stuff and i try to force those connections or so on and so forth they have no desire to do those things that's yeah. not what makes them have fun gaming. Which is probably why some of those folks don't like certain game systems when I bring them up, like, ah, it doesn't sound like fun. I think uh, yeah. in the kind of in the roof is like, I don't want to get into that because I don't give two shits about it.
0: Well, there's two there are two distinguishable camps in RPGs, specifically with with uh, fantasy, I think that it comes up more uh, it's more prominent, like even in and most of that derives out of the OSR kind of space um, versus maybe more typically found in 5th edition where, you know, 5th uh, edition you might have a background and that's part of your character generation. There's folks that play OSR, older school stuff. They can still do that. Not all of them are like, you know, this is the way it should be played. There's oh, some no, 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 no. There's different but, approaches. That's right. But some of them are. You know what? You don't worry about that. It's it's done through play. Like, you exactly. start out with, as nobody, you don't need all that background because when you're sixth level, that's all the background were the first five levels.
1: No, I'm glad like, you brought that up. I like that. I like all that. This,
0: all <laughs> the adventures that you've had and this and that. And, you know, that's not not a bad way to approach things. And I think those types of games lend themselves to people changing their characters, maybe... More, and I don't even mean like oh, I'm going to re-roll my character. Like I don't want to. I'm a fighter, but I I want to be a wizard. I well, don't there's no that- there's no
1: preconceived notion. Like I don't know what I'm what I'm. I made I rolled this up this random thing, right? I'm a I'm a dwarven thief. Yes. We'll see what happens from here, right? And, and then, they then the, legit see what happens, and they could end it, up exactly.
0: Yeah, but there is also a piece of it where those. Decisions aren't as important if you're not playing, in my opinion, like something like Cyberpunk Red, where you're filling like the fixer, the driver, the, you know, the wheelman, and the, the fixer and the decker and the hacker. And, you know, you get those pieces. Now, somebody would say, but Sean, you would get the same thing in fantasy because you have classes. You got magic user. You got thief. You got fighter. And, yep. oh, and cleric. I don't. I don't know if the, they do play important roles, and they are classes for a specific reason, mm-hmm. but if I'm playing face man fixer in a modern RPG, and I start playing, realize, well, I don't really want to be the talky, talky 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 guy all the time, that's going to be a big problem. Yeah,
1: especially if you said, well, there's five of you playing, one of you has to be this, one has to be this, one has to be this. You're like, I don't want to do that anymore. Ah, uh, fuck. <laughs>
0: Now, in fantasy, one could argue the same, and I would just say, all right, well, in the story or in your travels, if you want to become a paladin or a holy person...
1: Multi-class. Then you can
0: multi-class. You could dual-class, and yep. you just make that move. Or, you know, the, the the GM says, okay, now you're a cleric, and you move laterally to the next level in cleric and start out at first-level cleric, and your fighters five-level, fifth-level. So, yeah, multi-classing. But anyways... I mean, so I think it's there's those two dynamics, and I could go either way depending on what the game is. Um, sometimes they get in the way. Like if you get into these motivations, you know, are you what find your own motivation through through play? Maybe you can. Um, you absolutely can. I- if you're the game master like Brett, that throws him the bone, hopefully somebody will pick it up and run with it.
1: Yeah, I think I'm really glad you brought that up, and I think. So the reason I mentioned this entire topic was like, okay, what the
0: hell do I need to really
1: get involved? And I started thinking about the people I've played with and am playing with and my kids I play with and so on. And um, some folks really need like a clear motivation or goals and so forth and they, to help them get involved. They will pick goals. I'll pick up my buddy Nick again, for example. So he'll have a goal, and that goal is a personal one. And it doesn't necessarily need to even tie into the campaign right but he has a personal goal and that personal goal could be you know quit drinking i want to retire to vegas and be a blackjack dealer i want whatever the hell that person wants his character wants the thing and he doesn't tie it specifically because he's waiting to f- see how he can tie it he's like there's always a good way to take this personal thing and make it part of something or other i'll just i'll fit that in as i go My buddy Lenny wants to understand more about the game, and then he starts making goals and objectives. He's got maybe a hint of what he thinks it might be based on the bumpers and the the session zero stuff. But about session three, he's going to come at me with, okay, I want to do this, 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 this. I've got these goals. That's how he's going to operate. Alpha is going to be more like you or I, like, hey, guess what? You know, we play with this group for a while. I found out they need one of these. Guess what I'm doing? I'm doing that now. You know, and then they kind of morph in. And I think it's interesting to me <laughs> when I look at it, not just from a, I mean, I could be bold and say this this is a driver for why people like or don't like certain types of games and so forth. I think it does play a little bit because I'm looking at a game and I'm like, well, why don't you play this particular role playing game, Brad? It seems like you should totally do X, Y or Z. And I will offhandedly say I don't like this mechanic, or I could do that myself or whatever. And sometimes, I wonder if I don't like X, or I don't feel drawn to that thing. Because the way it's doing the thing, whatever that happens to be, doesn't make me believe. Because I want the world to be real. I want to feel this, I want to have this feeling, and so on and so forth. I don't like the way that it jars me in some way, shape, or form. And I think the um, one of the other interesting pieces is that when you're at a table, and we'll pick on you know, your, your standard D&D game, if you have somebody, um, uh, Kojo's mentioned this, right? Where he likes to kind of make the character as it goes. That's part of like developing through play and so forth. So you get a guy like Kojo at the table who wants to do that. And I got a guy like Nick who wants to have a high level gold. And I got Lenny who wants to do this. And I've got somebody else um, who wants to do this other thing. There, I think there is a. Um, and I, again, we can make session zero like take eighteen hours, depending on how we do this. But there are pieces and parts of that where it's, I, I have, I, I'm questioning the wisdom of myself sometimes I, I used to do this more where I would try desperately to make sure everyone had the same level of involvement because I thought that would really help. Like he has three backgrounds. You need three backgrounds. You need mm. three backgrounds. You need, you need, you need. And frankly, some of my character, some of my players don't give a fuck about any of that. That's not why they're there. That's that doesn't make it believable to them. That's not, that doesn't make the character more fun. They already have the level of belief. They walked in the door and I said, oh, it was, uh, you know, it's Cyberpunk Red. I'm playing a cyberpunk game. I don't need anything more. I'm in. Cyberpunk's real. Done. And their brain just clicks. They're like, I'm in. And somebody else is and He or she's going to say, you know, this is what I need. And this other person, they're going to say, yeah, but what about or whatever? I I think it's interesting when we start thinking about like why players gel or don't gel or might not like certain things or shy away from demands and so forth. I think sometimes it's not only just, um, I think it's part of the style of play in a way, right? What do I need to believe? What do I need to believe? How do I like to play my characters? Do I like to develop them in during the game as Kojo has talked about with us? Or do I like to have, a pre-gen character with a very set goals and set da da da, da I don't know.
0: It's a it, it's there's not a wrong way, but no, I there's think, not. But I think, I mean, I've I am all about cha- I'm changing it up, man. Oh, I know. lands is like just, something completely different, but I say that because we get hung up on some crazy stuff. Oh, yeah, but you know where I'm getting
1: here, dude, is like if you have a if you've got a table of five people, four people, yes, and you've got four different four different needs for the belief, four different needs to really buy in. Right. That that buy in the versatility. I believe in your game world, man. I believe in this forbidden Land's game. You know, my care, <laughs> I'm going to make character decisions based on blah, blah, blah. You know, they, they really grok it and there could have four or five different totally different ways. And some of them could almost be not antithetical, but they're almost like. They could be opposite in some way, shape, or form. And I think sometimes we will look at a player who doesn't seem as invested in some way. A right? good example. And, we'll, and we'll say, yeah. "Oh, I got I to gotta work with her. Or they just don't seem yeah. invested. Ah, how, what do I have to do to pull it out? And we quiz huh. them and we grill them. And they look at you and go, I'm having fun. If you ask me one more fucking time, I'll stab you. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah. They, you know what I'm they, saying? An example I would see... Is a person who is overly social, but they are in a survival hex crawl with nobody around them for hundreds of miles. And so they are talking to, they could talk to the fellow party members, mm-hmm. but they want to be in, you know, that's why some people like, like I, I have, uh, uh, that's what I find appealing in like Call of Cthulhu because it's not go out, and find treasure. Yep, You know, kill a monster. It's investigation. And there's a lot of role play behind that, in my opinion, in the games that I appreciate, which is funny because I'll run for bin lands. And sure, they'll come across maybe a rival adventuring party or somebody in the middle of nowhere. And there's that opportunity. But it's not a social gathering. It's not a 1920s ball where they're going there. to, And they actually are playing socialite as a cla our debutante
1: right or even like you're, you know you're um a D 5e game which is more instead of kill monsters and take their stuff it's around saving something save the world sure. save the town save the thing that's right i've got different we can talk about that in another show but I, that, that's a i'm not old school killing monsters to get gear right. i am fighting the big bad to save the world
0: right save the cheerleader save the world yeah sometimes it's a little bit <laughs> it's very so. you know but it's it's so that mismatch can can happen and i agree mm. but there's some there's some people that'll get into that and they'll just like not care like they'll put it behind them and they'll play and they'll they'll be just fine and it won't be the game they're like oh this is so great they'll just say it was an okay game and that's because they're playing a game and a character that's probably not something they're either a used to or b preferring
1: I think that the the believability is part of the buy-in, right? If I could get you to believe in the in Avalon when yeah. I give you your character or you make your character, and this
0: I place doesn't freaking exist anywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, if I get, but you know what I'm saying is, if I can, how do
0: they feed their people? There's no farms; it's all in a city.
1: I've explained that. Read the book. Um, oh, sorry. So anyway, point is, if I if I do it and I say, okay, this game, this Avalon setting is about X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and then. I show you examples and I help you do whatever. There's a piece of it though, when I've, I've started doing this more and more as I'm looking at myself and kind of trying to introspectively to look at the other people I'm playing with and realize that this person doesn't need what this person needs in order to believe and really buy in because belief equals buy-in and buy-in equals versatility and everybody's singing and doing the right thing. We're all on the same page of the hymnal or whatnot. And I have made the mistake in the past, and I think sometimes it may, it maybe it's not just me. I'm assuming it's other people too, where we no, will it's look. Just, it's, it's just me. God damn it. Just,
0: I've oh, never why? heard of this ever happening to anybody else.
1: No, I quit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I suck as bad as I thought I did. Um, was <laughs> I'm here. Get better. Anyway, um, when seeing that because we've talked about different player expectations and I think this is yet another expectation that players can have like what do I need to believe what do I need for buy in and to help maintain the, the tone the versatility and we could say well so and so doesn't seem to have the same level or this person is really into it I don't know if some people don't I, I, I think there's there's a lot of different ways that people would show you tell you blah 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 but I think it's worth understanding that it's going to be different for different people. And when you're playing with a group, that's one more thing to think about, right? And when someone says, eh, I'm not having that much fun, be it a Cyberpunk Red not having that much fun, Star Wars not having that much fun, or a Conan game or whatever game, it's just not working. Uh, my buddy, I'll, um, uh, buddy of mine was running a 2D20 Conan game, and I had a hard time with it. And the reason I had a hard time with it was because... From an IP perspective, I know that world way, way better than he did. No shade on him for not being a, a you know Robert e. Howard nut like I am. Um I'm sure there's people who know it even better than I do, which is totally legit. But he, the way he did it, I found in that world I needed it to maintain the tone that I expected. He shifted the tone. The other players didn't have, have a problem with it. I did. I personally, and I talked to him about it. I'm like, you've broken the tone of what this is. Yeah, I thought I'd do something different. I wish you would have told me that. <laughs> right? should have told me that up front. I could have figured that out. Right? That was the I'm paraphrasing. but That was kind of just the conversation. It like, ah, I needed X. And I think that's, it's similar to um, when my buddy Nick runs Star Wars or when I played with you. I don't, I know enough about it to be dangerous and that's where I've I've realized more thinking about that. I tend to play almost a background character in a way until I figure out what the tone is, and then I can lean into it, kind of developing my character Kojo style in play. We're like, what's this going on? Okay, this is the tone we're going for. Everybody's good. We're all good. Game Master's good. I'm leaning in now. Where I reserve that, and effectively, I am not really bought in yet. Once my <laughs> character, I'm like, ah, this is what we're really doing. I'm in and now I'm golden. Now now my versimilitude goes through the roof. I buy in. This is a real character. I start making in character decisions, better in character decisions, from my perspective, anyway. <sighs> Anyhow, we could we're hitting, I think, terminal repeat here as we want to do. But I'm just <laughs> wondering, I'm just wondering if this is like I said, it was it was a concept I had. I was thinking about it, like, well, there's different levels of belief that different people need to buy in. And if nothing else my understanding of what I need, I'm like, oh, that's pretty handy for me to under, to for me to figure that out. New let outs, so, ah, oh, this is what Brett needs. If I'm playing, this is how I like to play. And if somebody asks me, Are you having fun? I say, hey Hank, no, no, I'm having a good time. Here's what I'm doing. I'm waiting to figure out how everybody else is going to gel so I can find the gap and I can fill it. Oh, that's how that's how I like to play. I, I have a good time playing that way. And yeah, I can maybe do something different. Or if it's something I really get up front but I'm new to this Star Wars crazy dice thing, so how about I slide in this way, wherever the case is. So, anyway, it just it helps when people when I ha- see people and they explain things like that. It helps sometimes just to figure out that when I oh I'm doing a good job as game master, everyone's having fun or whatever. So let us know what you think. How crazy is Brett? Smiley. well about this about this <laughs> in particular. You good, Sean?
0: I'm good, dude. Uh, Get into five. die roll. Let's do it. Die roll two to four miscellaneous points a game of gaming geekery we want to bring and share with you. We've got a couple this week. Uh there's the chat there for you. The first one is where am I? Why am I here? We go. There we go. Uh I lost my notes. That's fantastic. What's the first one, Brett?
1: The Breck, um, recklon yep. run.
0: Recklon run. Oh
1: man. Post-apocalyptic solo hero series game.
0: Yeah, that's there. Let's see if I can get it on the right page here.
1: Kickstarter. This is a... Um... Oh, Todd, Mr. Crapper from Broken Rules yes. is working on this.
0: Yeah, he's involved. So this one is eight days to go as of this recording, fully backed. He even said in the, in the message, like, this doesn't need help backing but he's working on it and if you're interested it's not a role-playing game um but nonetheless and it's renegade studios who are doing marvel and gi joe awesome so he's involved in that so link in the uh, show
1: notes to that little kickstarter going on todd's good people so always like to a, a
0: one-player people. card game with a campaign mode about taking on the bosses <laughs> and their crew and battles across the the Wreckland. awesome that's fun uh, number two is King gold. We posted this. It's been posted on our forums and on our discord beer leaguer has put this out, uh, amongst a couple other things down below, but it's a, a one sheet for five E. It's a pamphlet, pamphlet. adventure. Yeah. Like
1: literally trifold pamphlet. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, level one through three characters. You could play in a bar or kitchen, which I'm not sure why he picks bar or kitchen, but nonetheless. I like drinking in my kitchen. Sure. (laughs) Uh, It's the first in a new series of standalone pamphlet quests traces the hobby back to its weird roots when a night of fun could be had using just a few pages of printed material. King Gold isn't just a love letter to an old format. It's a solution for dungeon masters who want to get into get to the table and go using a Prefabricated adventure that doesn't take itself too seriously. It's a one page story overview, hex crawl wilderness intro, all in one pamphlet with every tool a DM needs, stat and monster tables conveniently placed, full size unmarked map visuals for online play, and it's coming in at the ripe price of $1.95. Oh, neat. Yeah. Looks so pretty there cool. Go. Yeah. Pick that one up if you're. So inclined, if you're wanting to do a one-night one, one night 5e adventure. That's it. There you go. That's all we had for, for die roll. Very cool. What are we talking about next week, Brett? Well, Sean, I initially
1: had rules as a map, and then um, moving on to story and drama. I'm actually thinking about taking the story and drama one and bumping it up a bit. I'm going to talk to you offline from here. I think that one might be a little more interesting.
0: Rules so and like, a
1: map? <coughs> rules as a map. Oh, rules and a map. Um, then next up after that was going to be story and drama as a topic. And I think I might take that one and move it up a bit. So it'll be one of those two for sure.
0: One of those two topics for, for sure. sure, he says. Absolutely. Okay. Fantastic, man. Well, great. Hey, thanks for tuning in, everybody, that, uh, live here in the chat. Good to see everyone. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. We really appreciate it. If you've like found anything entertaining and or and or of value make sure you give us a like otherwise uh we'll be recording this uh every other monday at 8 p.m central time here on the youtubes otherwise you can find this episode at your podcatcher of choice in our flagship audio show uh i think that is it for this one otherwise Sweet. i am sean and i am brett good night and good game and all this episode of Gaming and BS produced with help from the following BSers Joe Swick, Old School DM, Tony Sugalof Baker, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Chris Steele, Remy billado Jason Hobbs, Mark Tosaka, merkel Freulich, Pure Mongro, Brett Pazinski, Brandon Barnes, Eileen Barnes, Dan Lavalley, C.W. Mellencamp, Victor White, Craig Huber, Roger Brasslett, Stephen Dragonspawn, Jared Rasher, Finnolf, Ray Otis, Jim Fitzpatrick, Old School Zero Role Playing, Curtis Takashi, Larry Hout, Ron Bishop, Mark Richmond, Chad Gleaman, Craig. Howard Bishop, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Angus, Eric Salzwiedel, George Sedgwick, Robert Nemeth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Eric Avia, Andy Olson, Jeff Seifert, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Niall Diamond, Aaron Relia, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Brian Rumble, Rich Wishon, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, H.N. Colcaigo, Eric Tavola, Huscaro, Yorkis Rex, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Rory Weston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Phil McClory, Adam Grotjohn, Jay Plata, Ed Nyes, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries Christian, Larry Hollis, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orkistorkis, Chris Shore, Michael O'Holland, Wayne Peacock, Mike Coleman, Miniature Master, Kevin Keneally, Zagrave, Vornak, Farty McButterpants, Andrew Lear, Craig Chunglo, Eric Lunsford, Ty Prunty, Feeling Good Lewis, Ziga Paradzik, Nick Westbrook, John Mahoney, Crystal Eggstad, Zalea, Zwiefer, HypnoCode, and Kelly Ness... Kelliness. get it? Kellyness. Hey, thanks for all your support, everyone. Do us a favor if you know a friend that might get a kick out of us, let them know to pull us up in their podcatcher of choice. Do a search for gaming and BS, and have them subscribe or at least listen to one episode. I mean, even ten minutes of a random encounter would probably get them hooked. But you know, whatever it takes. Thanks, BSers. This has, this has been a litterbox studio, studio production. production.